0: And as always, we'd like to thank our partners, Firebird Rising and the Beautiful Game Network, BGN. You can go to their websites to see more of their content at firebirdrising.coreair, that's K-O-R-R-A-I-R.com, or at bgn.fm. And let's get to the show. special midweek episode of the Rising as One podcast. This is Dominic Kearns here and we're going to give you two things tonight. First, I'm going to be talking with my friend James Chelminski. He is a soccer writer for the Sports Quotient, a really dear friend of mine going back to our undergrad days at Fordham University. And he really does a great job of following U.S. soccer, including MLS, lower leagues, a little bit of everything. He's just a great source of information. So he's going to talk about USL players to watch in the Gold Cup and then about MLS expansion from a neutral perspective. He lives out in New York, so he has no skin in the game in that sense. So I think that'll be a fun interview. And then I will be chatting with Mark Turner of the Back Chat podcast, the Colorado Springs podcast. We are going to be previewing this Saturday's matchup between Phoenix Rising and Colorado Springs a match that could have very significant ramifications in the playoff chase. So without any further ado, let's get to it. Hello, this is Dominic Kearns with the Rising is One podcast, and this is a special midweek edition because we have quite a bit to talk about. Uh, Right now, I'm actually talking to a good friend. We went to undergrad together back in New York City on the East Coast. Uh, His name is James Chelminski, and he is a sports quotient He's a soccer writer for the Sports Quotient, which is a pretty big up and coming website, uh, sports website. And uh, James, thanks for being here.
1: Of course, Tom. Thanks for inviting me to come on.
0: So we went, we go way back. I mean, he's one of the uh, biggest diehard fans I know. Uh, one of the few that seems to have more knowledge of what's going on in the U.S., around North America, and everywhere else than I do. So uh, it's really great to have him on. Uh I'm gonna ask him a couple questions about USL players that are making an impact in the Gold Cup, and then uh, ask him a couple questions about MLS expansion from a neutral perspective. So first things first, which countries have a lot of USL talent? Okay, and uh, of those players, which ones really stand out to you? That was a pretty great goal, too. Yeah,
1: you can clean the key for a little bit, but it was a very unexpected shot, so credit to the striker.
0: And, and which side does he play for? So it sounds like the reggae boys are a team to uh, keep your eye on for USL talent. Um, yeah, a note on Dane Kelly, too. Um, I, I mean, I don't know too much about the Jamaican national team setup, but I totally agree. He scored a hat trick against Rising in one of the games we played this year. And uh, he's, he was the USL player of the month in May. He had two hat tricks in that month. Uh, probably the biggest reason Reno has been the hottest team in USL well maybe other than monarchs for the last two months but um you had mentioned before a couple other uh, players and national teams with USL talent
1: yes um I I was about to bring up a Canadian player um who plays for
0: Um, any any other players for Canada or El Salvador? I think there may have been one or two for El Salvador. Oh, yeah,
1: El Salvador.
0: Yeah, I, I remember the, because we've played Reno twice now and he's been a pretty impactful player in both those games. Um, any Anyone else that I haven't? Against, against Mexico. Just to put
1: that out there, even though they lost 3-1, I thought they were pr- pretty decent overall.
0: Yeah, I'd say so too. Um, last question as far as the USL and Gold Cup is concerned. Are there any players that we haven't discussed yet that are Worth a shout. Uh, in, ter-
1: in terms of players from USL, um, my, I think we covered
0: the big ones, to be honest. Okay. Um, and so then I'll turn it to MLS expansion, which is something I know that you've been following closely. Uh, here in Arizona, we tend to get caught up in, a local, um, in the local view. So I want to turn it to you for a little bit and. Have you elaborate on how you see the expansion picture right now?
1: Um, so when I first think of expansion, I do have a, I have to concede I do have a little bit of hesitation in terms of not wanting to expand too quickly. Um, but at the end of the day like I, I see expansion as like a very good thing. Um, it, it just shows the rise of uh, real football in the United States. I feel like there's a lot of uh, cities and clubs out there that deserve to make the leap into MLS, especially since we don't have a uh, promotion or relegation.
0: Which is an entirely different discussion. <laughs> <laughs> We had Food City as our sponsor. Uh, just a local store. Nothing special at all. Yeah. <laughs> Thirty thousand for two consecutive Open Cups, and even in league they're getting over twenty k most weeks.
1: Yeah. And uh, not to put any MLS team down, but like those numbers are far superior, or not far superior, but superior to that of Columbus Crew. You know. Mm-hmm. So I feel like uh, uh, if you were to uh, put Cincinnati into Major League Soccer, you could uh, probably like heat up a rivalry two clubs in it'll help like both teams get more attention
0: yeah i tend to agree uh and you'd mentioned sacramento too i think a lot of people there's a consensus that they are one of the teams that is very likely to get in but if you want to just give a little context why you have that opinion <laughs> Yeah, and I think one other thing, too, that people don't mention enough about Sacramento um, is that San Jose Earthquakes, people think, oh, there's so many teams in California. But San Jose Earthquakes have not really had a rival in their history. And that's a pretty large area we're talking about, Northern California. Um, They try to build up the Cali Classico. I think it's BS. (laughs) Well, as a Galaxy fan, I (laughs) disagree. I mean,. like I, I know I know they've had some MLS Cup matches way back in the day and I kind of get that, but it just it doesn't feel like the same as LA San Francisco per se. and yeah, I, I don't know. I think Sacramento would really uh, do well in also hyping up San Jose fans. I think there'd be a great regional clash um, that is kind of overdue in my opinion. So, okay, and, and I, think, I think we're in agreement here that in some order, the top three should be, um, you know, Phoenix, Sacramento, Cincinnati. Personally, I would probably put it at Sacramento, or actually I'd probably put it at Cincinnati, Sacramento, Phoenix. But I mean, that's, I feel like those three are at a different tier than the other bids. Would you agree with that sentiment? And so I guess since there are going to be four teams coming in, in addition to Miami, which now that they've finally acquired their land for the stadium, it looks like they're finally going to get in. If you had to handicap it between all the other cities involved, San Antonio, Tampa, Nashville, who's making some noise. Don Garber visited there when the U.S. played Panama this last weekend. Uh, Even Detroit kind of on the fringes. How would you handicap that? (laughs) join so the three or four teams. <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm just curious what if you had to pick a fourth team which one do you think has the upper hand at this point and who do you think is gonna end up getting it
1: okay I got you so um one thing you have to take into
0: And I and I noticed you don't mention Detroit or Nashville. Uh, why do you hesitate about those bids? <laughs> they have detroit city and they get like four thousand in the fourth division That's PDL, right? yes
1: all right I, I mean those are decent numbers but uh from my perspective i would like to see them prove it first in a more uh, professional setting if that makes any
0: sense yes and personally i agree um but apparently they're they're passionate fans there so i do at least mention them um i, I agree they And I guess one last question, Um, kind of my big worry, and it's not really a big worry because I'm pretty confident Rising will get in, maybe not in the first wave, but I think at some point they get in, but I guess the one fearsome thought that I have in the back of my mind is, okay, say Garber goes with Sacramento and Cincinnati because they have the crowds, they have the fan support, and then when they make that second wave decision in 2018 suppose Nashville or San Diego, all of a sudden they get their funding, they get their stadium site. That's that's something that concerns me. Should I be concerned about that? That's where I personally agree because there's no team within 300 miles in any direction of Phoenix. Uh, And it's also a market, sometimes people say, you know, there are so many other teams in town and some of them aren't really well supported. What makes you think soccer is going to do well in a red state? And my counter is because these teams are not supported well and a a few of them have bad ownership groups, I think the fact that they're not asking for public money, the fact that they do want to do it the right way would have the opposite effect, and wake up a sleeping giant and get huge support. Plus, if you're talking about it from a geographic region, uh, you could get you could be the number one team in Arizona and New Mexico and have a huge TV market, but I agree. yeah. So is there is there anything else that you um, wanted to say before I send you off and uh, give you a chance to do a Twitter shout out? <laughs> That's a great point. Um, I mean'm I'm, I'm thinking in particular um, Martinique and Curaçao have looked very impressive their first two matches um, really giving some teams trouble that you may not have expected them to give um, and I think they have some guys that could handle the physicality of American soccer um, so you might be onto something there but <sighs> well uh, I think, I should let you get back to watching the end of Canada, Costa Rica, and I might join on that. But uh, what is your Twitter handle, and where can people find you, especially for coverage of U.S. soccer? All right. And uh, one last thing. I know you didn't mention it, but um, this guy really loves Donovan. Like, he would be wearing a Donovan shirt around campus at least once a week. If you want to share in your love of Donovan, hit James up on Twitter, and uh, that'll be a good time guaranteed. So, James, thank you so much. One
1: last thing, one last thing. I do. (laughs)
0: We'll then slide into his DMs. Thank you so much, James.
1: Thanks for having me,
0: Dom. All right. Welcome to the Rising is One podcast. This is Dominic Kearns here. And this is actually a combined podcast today. I'm on with Mark Turner of the Backchat Show. That's the Colorado Springs show. And we're here together to give a joint preview for Saturday's match between Phoenix Rising and Colorado Springs. So I want to ask you, How has Colorado Springs been doing this
2: season? Well, hey, Dominic. Thanks for having me on the show. I do appreciate it. Uh, The Colorado Springs switchbacks have been having a really interesting season. Uh, You can look at us as being the model of mediocrity, or you can say our season is yet to get started. I prefer to be more optimistic and say we're yet to get started. But up until this point, things have been a little frustrating. If you look at our record, we're 18 games in. Uh, Currently, we're sixth in in the league table having won six times, drawn six times, and lost six times, Uh, scoring 28 goals and conceding 28 goals, obviously giving us a goal difference of of zero. And our last five games, our pattern is win-loss, loss -loss draw. So, as you can see, things have been um, a little... The season has stalled, and we need to get going. We need to get a sequence of wins going. How about you guys?
0: Yeah, so it sounds like you're talking about Phoenix Rising. I mean, almost (laughs) exactly like the same team. We have five wins, five losses, and four draws. So we started out a couple losses, then a couple wins, alternated between losses and wins, and now four straight draws. So I think we're both right in the mid-table, right mediocre. Uh, The difference maybe is that I feel like we're getting better performances, even if we haven't seen the win on the pitch. So that's something to be a little optimistic about.
2: Yeah, it sounds like you guys are. I mean, again, four straight draws. That's going to be frustrating for the Phoenix fan base. But if the play is better, then that's certainly something to get excited about. And we've seen that as well from the switchbacks this season. We've seen some really high watermark games. And then we've seen matches where we've come away from the game scratching our heads, not quite sure how we've left it with nothing or even with a single point. So uh, for us, though, consistency is the key. We're now at the part of the season where we've got to start stringing some wins together. We've only managed to put back-to-back wins together once this season. uh, And so the guys just need to get into that groove and quickly.
0: Well, you're preaching to the choir because that's that's exactly where we're at, too. It's, you know, you guys have had a few more matches than us. I will say, in our four draws, we played Swope Park Rangers. We played at Reno. Uh, we played Monarchs at home. So two of those three matches away, actually three of those four away because then we drew at Orange County. Um, but Reno, Monarchs, and Swope, the previous week, they won by a combined scoreline of 20-2 to two in the that we are coming up against some of the toughest opposition and still coming away with positive results i think that bodes well for later in the season as our schedule eases up a
2: little bit yeah that's that's great great information there great statistics and again you have a lot i think to encourage your fan base uh obviously in Didier drogba you have a talismanic player there who is coming up big for you i think he scored already five times this season including that great free kick uh this past weekend to snatch a draw out the jewels of defeat um So you guys are certainly coming up hot on the inside. There's no doubt about that. I think you currently sit, is it ninth place? Just outside the playoffs. But like you said, you're a few games shy of those around you. So uh, you definitely have the opportunity to close the gap.
0: Yeah, I'm not too worried at this point. Uh, But it will be a little concerning if we can't get three points this week. So I'll turn it to you and ask, who are three players that Phoenix Rising fans should keep their eyes on and should keep a lookout for?
2: Oh, you're going to limit me to three. <laughs> All right, well, if you're going to limit me to three, then I'm just going to give a cursory shout out to our attacking fullbacks, Josh Suggs on the left, Jordan Burt on the right. Uh, just an honourable mention. Those guys uh, have provided some great defence this season, as well as some outstanding offence as well. But the three guys I want to focus on most are in goal, Moise Poati, who's actually a Cameroonian international and has been an outstanding goalkeeper for us this year. We had Devler-Gorick in our ranks the previous two seasons. I think most people would consider Gorick one of the best goalkeepers in the USL, so losing him was a big blow. But Poati has stepped in and been incredible for us this season. Uh, in midfield, we have Master Cashier, who has already appeared on USL Goal, the Goal of the Week um, uh, docket several times this season. Uh, an incredible talent coming from um, Montreal, from the MLS, Uh, Actually, he was a former teammate of Didier Drogba's, and the kid has skills, so uh, he's certainly another one to look out for. And then most recently, we've seen the emergence of Kavorn Freighter, a Jamaican international who started the season slow, but the last half-dozen games or so has really hit his stride. This guy has a bag of tricks and then some. He's also started to wade in with goals, including his own Didier Drogba-like free kick this past weekend, earning the switchbacks a point against Vancouver Whitecaps. So those are three guys I, I suggest watching out for.
0: Yeah, and uh, we'll definitely be keeping out for your keeper because we have had some troubles uh, scoring in a couple of away matches.
2: So other than but, uh, other than Drogba, who's the obvious one, and Sean Wright Phillips as well, who else would you say on the Phoenix roster uh, is one a place to look out for this coming Saturday?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think everyone knows about Drogba, SWP, and even Omar Bravo to a lesser extent. So I'm gonna point the flashlight on three different guys. The first one is another keeper, just like just like quality for you guys. And that would be Josh Cohen. Cohen played for Orange County Blues for several seasons, has some really good experience as their starting keeper, came over to us in February. And I really think the first month, month and a half of the season, he's the reason that we were even staying alive in the playoff chase you know there were a couple games there uh, away to Monarchs we lose 2-0 it could have been 4 or 5 and then home matches we won a couple home matches 2-1 a big one over Los Dos another against OKC and in those matches he made some crucial saves to keep us in those games where we eventually were able to rally and win Uh, another guy that comes to mind is Amadou Dia Amadou Dia came up Through the sporting Kansas City system, he was actually drafted by them several years back, and uh, for whatever reason, he just did not get enough time on the pitch. He played for Swope for a minute, but came to us mid-season, actually, and he's been a revelation at left back. We really needed some defensive assistance, because early in the season, we had been just abused on both wings, and he's really filled in and been great. In the 2-1 win over Whitecaps back in June, he made several goal-saving defensive plays, and he's just been a huge reason that our defense has stabilized. We finally ended that ridiculous uh, non-shutout streak of like 22 games or something. Uh, And just in general, our defense has been better, and I think Amadou Dia is the main reason why. He's also been known to put in a good ball from the left uh, side every once in a while. Mm. And then finally... And then one last guy I would say is Eder Ariola. He also came to us mid-season. He came to us around April. And he doesn't always get the start. A lot of times he comes on late. But he's been really good at providing some energy off the bench. He scored a goal against Oklahoma City Energy. And he's he's really been a spark for us in a couple other matches. And an honorable mention for Alessandro Rigi, who was injured in the Oklahoma City match back in April. I think he is returning. He might make his debut the first time in a couple months this weekend. So
2: So I'm curious. I know one thing that you have there in Phoenix is really a, a wealth of talent. You have a great starting eleven. You have a deep bench. Obviously, you're still knitting the team together at this point, but it sounds like you're starting to find some rhythm, which is exciting for you guys. In terms of lineup, how do you like 2 line I mean, I'm talking about shape here as opposed to personnel. What do you think the most successful shape has been for you guys so far to be able to really leverage the um, the talent you've got in the team, particularly harnessing that offensive talent that you have, which is pretty deep? That's a great
0: question, and I think it coincides perfectly with Patrice Carterone coming to Phoenix Rising. If we've been doing a tactical 4-4-2 the last few matches. Four in the back with our wing-backs playing up a little bit, and then a diamond in the middle four. So Miguel Tim as the defensive midfielder, Sean Wright Phillips up top as the attacking mid. And then different names have come in on those two sides, just depending on the match. There's a lot of variation there, but that formation has allowed us to string passes better. We finally won the possession battle in our match against Orange County last week. And just in general, we've had a lot better build-up play with that formation over the last few weeks. I think there's no chance, for example, that we get a nil-nil draw at Reno without really embracing that
2: 4 4 with the diamond in the midfield. Okay. That's interesting. You, you clearly have very definitive views on that. We, we, here on the Colorado Springs side of things, have become very accustomed to a 4-3-3. We have seen variations on that theme. But generally, we like to play a 4-3-3, where midfield and 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 well, particularly the midfield guys tend to, tend to tuck in a little bit and get a little closer together, allowing our fullbacks, as I mentioned earlier, to uh, prowl those channels and get up and support our, our wide attacking. Uh, players as well as deliver balls into the box themselves so yeah it'll be interesting to see how the two two teams shape up this weekend I've got to ask you before we move to predictions I know we've sidestepped the big D Didier Drogba but being uh, an Englishman myself and being somebody who's watched Drogba play for Chelsea down the years I have to ask you how surreal is it seeing Didier Drogba pull on Phoenix colours and be there in a USL match at your stadium
0: well you know, the early stages, it was incredible. I was actually in the press box the night he was debuted in front of the fans, and that was a great 4-3 win over Swope. You know, the first time I see him, obviously, I'm in awe. You know, I just touched him as he was walking up to the owner's box. I had to keep some professionalism because <laughs> I was in a journalist capacity that day, so I didn't say, hey, Geronimo, sign my autograph. But, but you know, so we've we've gotten used to it. I think and i mean look you try to normalize it because he's around pretty often now he's playing the full 90 and virtually all our matches but there are still moments you just have to pinch yourself and say is this really happening and two that come to mind for me are the opening match for him june 10th against the vancouver whitecaps it's a 1-1 game it's the last 15 minutes a game we desperately need the three points at home for and Whitecaps are just playing the ball out of the back, but Didier Drogba reads the pass, intercepts the pass, steps in front of the guy to win it, then makes a few nice dribbles, finds SWP making a great run on the right side, slips it in perfectly for him. Sean Wright Phillips, one touch to the keeper's right in the corner, boom, we win. And there's no other player on our squad that could have won that ball and set that play up as well as Drogba. The other moment that just you just have to shake your head and pinch yourself, is last week against Orange County, you know, a match that we just could not find a way in for whatever reason. Bravo hit the crossbar. Numerous missed chances and great saves from Charlie Leon. Orange County looks like they're going to steal the win with a stupid goal in the 84th. But Drogba does what Drogba does, finds a way, and gets a brilliant curling free kick in stoppage time. And that moment there, you're just Even as a journalist or even in a different capacity, you just have to stop and say, that was a beautiful moment. And you can't ever really get used to that.
2: It's incredible that he continues to do that at 39 years old. And I guess what they say is true. You know, form is temporary and class is permanent. Uh, And that guy certainly is a classy player. So it'd be fun to see him play against the switchbacks this week. And hopefully our defense can at least keep him quiet to some degree. And do you mind me asking one last question before we get to predictions?
0: Go for it. Yeah, okay, so I know that Mike, Seth, and uh, J.J. Greer had been regular players in the Colorado Springs starting 11 in seasons past, you know, including for last year's squad that finished very well in the regular season table, and yet they haven't been getting too much time with us. What are your thoughts on that?
2: Well, J.J. didn't get much in the way of field time when he was with the switchbacks but whenever he stepped in he never let the team down in fact I think one of his last games with us he ended up scoring a game winning goal and was mad of the match uh, and was promptly dropped the next game. So <laughs> I feel for JJ, and I know that he's getting a little bit more time than Mike is in Phoenix. So I'm, I'm glad that he is, and I hope that he takes some part in the game this weekend. Mike's an interesting one. Uh, Mike Seth again. He was he was similar to Freighter in that although he scored our first ever goal in the 2015 season, he was kind of a slow burn from that point on and uh, really hit his stride in our second season uh, last year 2016 when he ended up being our top goal scorer and in the same way that freighter has become talismanic for us this season mike seth fulfilled that role last year in fact the team produced some uh super we had a superhero night and they produced some superhero t-shirts and mike seth uh, mocked up to look like wolverine was uh, was on the t-shirt so he kind of became almost the face of the franchise last year and was certainly a guy we were sad to see leave so I'm very surprised to see he's not getting a look in in Phoenix although I know your offensive uh, depth is you know far more significant than ours so I'm imagining that's contributing to it but you know if you want to send Mike Seth back to Colorado Springs on loan for the rest of the season we'd be happy to take him
0: Yeah you guys do that and send us your right back
2: we could really <laughs> use that No deal <laughs> <laughs> All right John do predictions Do you want to do predictions? Okay. Do you want to do predictions?
0: Yeah, let's get into it. Do you want to go first?
2: Sure, no worries. Um, this is a tough one. You know, Before every game, I usually have a gut feeling about how the game's going to go. Uh, and I try and stay with my gut when we do our prediction league on the back chat Facebook page. Um, and whenever I deviate from it, I end up typically getting the score wrong. And I wish I had a gut feeling for this one, but I don't. It's it's really an odd one. I'm I'm not sure how to call it. So I think I'm going to sit firmly on the fence and go with a draw. Particularly given that you guys are on a streak of draws right now, it feels like the safest result to go for. Uh, two two.
0: Oh, yeah, I mean, and that's that's kind of in keeping with our inability to shut many opponents out. I'm actually feeling a little optimistic with this one. And that's not necessarily an indicator of success because my gut has probably been less consistent than yours in producing the right result. I felt strongly that we were going to beat Orange County last week, and I think we should have, honestly. It still frustrates me a little bit. But, you know, Rising has not had a multi-goal win this season. We had a one match where we were 4-0 against Swope, and they put three in at the end. I think we're due for a match where we finally get the bounces to go our way. We finally get more penalty kicks than the opposition. And Another fun stat, we've conceded seven penalty kicks in 14 games thus far. And I think we've only received two or three. I mean, it's been ridiculous, quite frankly. I feel like this is finally the week where a couple things go our way. Bravo gets on the score sheet. Give me, I mean, I'm feeling 2-0 or 3-1. I'll say 3-1 just because we don't shut teams out very often. But this is one that I'm oddly confident about. And I think we need to win this one, too, because we play away to Tulsa and versus San Antonio coming up. So give me rising 3-1 in this match.
2: I hope your confidence is misplaced. That's all I can say about that. (laughs) It's been misplaced before, so... (laughs) (laughs) Why break the streak? Well, good luck. I hope it's a a good game. And I, you know, when I say good luck, I mean, I hope your boys perform well. Of course, I hope my boys come out on top, but I think either way, it's going to make for an entertaining game this Saturday.
0: I I agree. And I think one other factor that might go in our favor is the weather. It's going to be over 100 degrees at kickoff and high altitude teams have struggled with that in the past. Ours drew us 1-1 and looked gassed their last 30 minutes at Phoenix. So I think that's one thing that factors into my prediction. But
2: okay, well, just make sure some of our switchbacks boys get some of those thousand free ice creams that you'll get, you guys are giving out before game <laughs> on Saturday, <laughs> cool us down somewhat. It's been a pleasure talking with you, Dominic.
0: Same has to be said on my end. Thank you, Mark.
2: All right, take care.
0: You too. Bye bye.